talk to each other. I've never zoom seen in, Zoom in on their faces. He is not happy to be there. He's confused. And he's loving it. Go on, Baza. Kill it, the old son. How deep is your love? So I've never seen that before, and that's amazing. I don't think anything can beat three big old Bee Gees on their greatest hits. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Do you know, I just watched a video of the, the worst Beatles um, related films ever made. And there's one called um, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Have you ever yeah, heard of it? Yeah, I, I watched that documentary. Yeah. Oh, it's the Bee Gees, <laughs> you know, acting as the Beatles. It's just crap. It's just awful. So here we go, Marv. Go on. No surprise to anyone. This Iron is Maiden. Um, Iron Maiden from Fear to Eternity. So this is the oh. best of 1990 to 2010. That's a weird... Um... It is, but they do this. They do this. You've got Best of the Beast, which is like from 1980 onwards. Yeah. Then you've got this one, and in about 10, 20 years, there'll be another one. 10, 20 years when they're all still about somehow, there'll be another one. I'm going to have to put my mic down to show you this. That's how good it is. This is heavy in my hand. Like, right, right. It, it's weighty. Go on, then, let's right. see it. Let's see it. We'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna mute my mic so you don't get any of the unpleasant noises. All right. We'll we'll react to it. Here we go then. I'm excited for this. That's weird because 1990 to 1995 they had a different singer, didn't they? And then yeah, it just makes no sense. Makes no sense. Here we go. All right. So he's opened it up. That's a lot of that's lyrics. Oh, that's a lot. That's so much information. That's nice. So you've got all the lyrics. A lot of liner notes. Um, yeah, a lot of liner yeah. notes. And then you've got, I guess, the albums at the top that are in the 1992 2010. <laughs> Come as like, yeah. That's Wait, mad. so um, so like there's Fear of the Dark. What, what other albums are there? Is, it, um, is Virtual Eleven on that one? Or it must be. It must be. It will be all the Blaze Bailey stuff, Virtual Eleven, and then the other one, which I can't remember what it's called. Uh, X Factor. <clears throat> Yeah, yes. Factor. We we've yeah. got no prayer for the dying. Yeah, uh, which was October nineteen ninety. Fear that we, we this is the dark. I'll give you all this information if you want it. Let's hear it. Um, we've got eight <laughs> featured albums here. We've got wow. no prayer for the dying released in October nineteen ninety. UK chart position number two. Cover art Derek Riggs <laughs> who drew the original. Yeah. Recorded at Barnyard Studios, Essex, England. Featured tracks, Holy Smoke, Tell Gunner, Bring Your Daughter to the Floor. Then we've got Fear of the Dark, released May 1992, chart position one. Cover art, Melvin Grant, recorded at Barnyard Studios, featured tracks. Then we've got X Factor, October 1995. I'll keep going if you want. I mean, just, just, give, <laughs> us the al- just give us the album. Just the album. Give us the album, okay. given right, the year. Fine. And then uh, I guess, yeah, you give us the tracks that yeah, come yeah, from yeah. it. I mean, are you I sure? Are you, sure? <laughs> you sure? I'll keep going. Um, so, yeah, we've got X Factor, October 95, Virtual 11, March 98. That's Even your favorite, then. Oh, amazing. We've, we have talked about um, that first episode. We have spoken about these. I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Brave New World, May 2000, Dance of Death, September 2003. Worst cover art you'll ever see. Worst seen Iron cover art ever. Matter of Life and Death, August 2006. I think it's got some vintage uh, digital art. Yeah, it has, and it's terrible. (laughs) It's not aged well. It's funny, though, because I bet, I don't know, my son maybe will think that's nostalgia, you know. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. We're like, that's 
you know, that's horrible. so crap. And you're going to be like, this is the best thing since sliced bread. Like you don't um, know what MS Paint is, mate. You don't have a pain of that. And then we then we've got the final frontier, August 2010. On the side here, we've got D Notes live recordings, Sign of the Cross, Fear of the Dark, and Clansman were recorded at Rock and Rio in Brazil on 19th of January 2001. Man on the Edge was recorded at Thela Forum in Milan on 23rd of September 1999 during the Ed Hunter. This is the level of detail this is going in. That's a lot. We've, we've got That's three nice. vinyls, three vinyls, which I'm going to get out and show you now. They're kind of, they're really cool, actually. Really cool. What's the, uh, what was the photo that was in that sleeve? The photo, I give me a second. Like I said, this is heavy. Um, the photo, I do believe, oh, it's just lots of different eddies throughout that time. But I'll show you it. Ah, give me a okay. second. Let okay. me put my mic down and mute myself again. Put his mic down and mute himself. Go on. It's like you're, uh, you know, when people in America get those huge, like, trays with, like, eggs and stuff on it. It's like you're doing that. Okay, that's actually quite cool. It's really cool, yeah. Yeah, which you don't, again, you don't get this with Spotify. You don't get this with all the digital stuff, like, things you can show your mates. Well, actually, do you remember, I, um, iTunes did it briefly. It was, like, iTunes LP or something, like, and they actually, you bought the album and it was a bit more and you could actually get liner notes and they tried to get you know yeah more than just a jpeg photo for your money you know wow i it flopped though i think yeah i mean it's just this again it's it goes to the devaluing thing doesn't it it's like i don't yeah. care yeah. That the, yeah you want me to get the other two vinyls out just so you can see the art i mean you you might as well you might as well yeah okay yeah. i'm gonna mute again you. you're YouTube going in depth i love it yeah I was waiting for like, and the uh, cardboard, there's a little bit of roughness here and this bit feels a bit smooth and, you know, Iron Maiden spelt this, this, this. Um, but again, like, Ashim, what do you think about that? So 1990 to 2010, which is a very specific time period in Iron Maiden where they had a lot of changes, but they're making like a best it's a bit of messy, thing. Yeah. yeah, like, what do you, where do you think the line stops in terms of like, actually, no, I changed that question. What is what should be the parameters, the check boxes for a good box set? Like, what are the do's, and then maybe what are the don'ts? Um, well, I mean, I, I think that's a reasonable enough box set. Like, it's it's got like it's a disc discography again. Like, do you know this? They've had to split up their discography box sets because there's so many. Yeah, how many albums do they have? Sixteen plus, maybe. Um, you know, if you had that all in one box, it'd be insane. Like, you, imagine lifting that. Yeah. But um, it it's just a bit strange because it is a, you know, it's arguably arguably like a weird time for that band. Mm. You know, you, you know, I I like Fear of the Dark and I like uh, No Prayer for the Dying, Virtual Eleven. You know, um, hit or miss. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of that later stuff is um like i i don't know if i get it personally it's kind of wouldn't be for me but um you cherry pick when, when they rounds like that you, you cherry pick the good songs um like like is this needed is this needed you know what i mean is this like an well, essential thing i suppose they're also released separately right all the albums are would be separately yeah you're able to get them so you know, if 
I think the completist would get this, you know, like it would be um, the absolute diehard collector mm. would would get all three. Well, I, I can imagine they're going to do a, you know, a more modern box set in a few years if it's they're going to do like 2011 to whatever, 2030 or something, you know, yeah. that, that could be in the work. Um, yeah. uh, I know who else had to do that. Uh, David Bowie. Yeah, he had to do that with his box set. So he had one box set for like the the 70s, all of those mm. albums. Then he did a box set for the, the 80s. Then he did um, one that actually came out this year. It's called Brilliant Adventures. And it's got um, 1991 till 2001 or something. So, you know, I think that's that's cool. That That's well put together, you know. And I um, and I get that with Bowie, right? Because Bowie Bowie's musical range is so vast. Like look at Tim Machine, look at his first stuff. album, look at his latest stuff, like and then iconic periods. You could argue that Iron Maiden, they do the same thing. They know where their bread is buttered. Good, fine. That's that that's that type of band. So I, can, yeah, I they, get that they with still Bowie. deserve to yeah, they they can still put out a discography box set if they want to, regardless if the stuff is good or not, you know. Like, but yeah, I agree. But I would want like a a better box set. I would want like the Queen thing. Great, put that all in one box set. Fine. But like, if you're gonna if you're gonna separate things up like that, like it seems weird to then go right. Let yeah. me lump lump all together what Iron Maiden was, but like these different periods. We didn't have this singer here. Didn't have this guitar player here, which noticeably. You, you know, as much as Iron Maiden doesn't have a huge musical range, it is a bit different between yeah. 1990 to 2010 um, in terms of production, writing, players, singing, like all the kind of thing of it. You'd think there maybe be a bit more that they could add to it. Like have a collectible Eddie for that certain era and then maybe have outtakes yeah. and liner notes, like even something simple like that, like a best of and then cool outtakes. Oshin, show us some more vinyls you see. Yeah, give us some more. I've got got like 10 more, so keep keep going. Some more. Well, um, that's, uh, I just have CD box sets now. Well, they're not box sets. They're they're deluxe editions. So this is an interesting take. No, 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 no. We'll we'll do mine. You can can do it. Now I want to see. No, I do want to see. Carry on, mate. So this is an an interesting take. Um, Pink Floyd, what they do is they sabotage well, it, what I see it as, they kind of sabotage the releases on uh, Spotify um, where, where they don't include deluxe stuff. It's literally just the album. And then you you have to buy the physical stuff to get the, the bonus material. I think that's a like good that, idea. That's a different take. But, you know, it's a bit stingy as well, if you think about it. It is, but <laughs> also... Know? it, it At least you're getting something for your money. It puts exactly. value back into music. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what I was about to say. It's, it, it becomes more of an exclusive thing if you're willing to shell out the posh. Yeah. So you've got, I've got um, the Pink Floyd, the wall here, and uh, it's it's got, you know, the, the double. Uh, well, I, I've got it on vinyl as well, but this is this is way cooler. That looks really um, cool, to be cool. fair. Yeah, it's, re- it's really, really nice. And um, with, with with like drawings and stuff, um, are those part of the original album artwork or are they like extras? I don't remember to be honest. I've got 
I've got the LP here. He's going to disappear into that cabinet in a minute. Yeah. And he'll come back out in 20 minutes. <laughs> That's cool, mate. Yeah. Uh, so it's very... Is that a remaster, original press? It's a, re- it's a remaster. But it, it's remastered by Bernie, Bernie Grumman. So it's really good. Um, so it, it's typically the, the same thing. but Okay. It's, it's like similar, but not the same. Yeah. 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 That's but, uh, cool. You, what's cool is you get the um the, the the bonus disc, which is uh work in progress. So you get the whole album, which is um like when you listen to this, it's so crazy. You could never imagine what this sounds like um just on acoustic guitar. Like these songs are so yeah. orchestrated yeah. in a way, and it's really cool to hear some of these the uh, prelude, Roger Waters, um, another brick in the wall, part one. Um, like, and it's just the band demos, like without all the crazy production on it. And that, that's really cool. That is and cool. I it, like that. It, it puts it in, up into program one, program two, pro- program three. Um, I think some of the, on, on my own turns, I think, that, so they have like, they've named the songs, the, the previous name before it was the final name. So that's also know. really cool. Yeah. So they've actually, they've done, so this is, um, Wish you were here, and um, that that was the original. So that's what the the packaging, the original packaging, they replicated yeah. that. And that's the actual cover. Wish you were here. Yeah, yeah. And um, they've done the same thing with this. Do they have? They've have they listed it? No, I think I have to take the booklet out or something. But yeah, you get a nice um, packaging as well with that. Mm. Um, um, but you, you get, oh yeah, it's, it's on the back of this. Sorry. So you get, um, this two unreleased tracks. So shine on your crazy diamond. Um, it's live stuff. So you get live Wembley 1974, um, raving and drooling, which I found out is the early name for a song that comes out on animals. I think it's sheep. Wow. So they've kept that, okay. that, that's cool. So they've kept the the previous name. That um, is cool. So that that got me thinking. What the hell is that song? You know. Um, then you've got to be crazy. I, I think that's another early um, name for one of the songs that and uh, eventually ends up on sheep or mm. on animals. Yeah. Sorry, the, yeah. the, the, the later. Um, and then they've got like. Um, yeah, th- this is really cool. So they've got wine glasses um, from Household Objects Project. So they were kind of in a tizzy after, you know, because how do you follow up Dark Side of the Moon? They needed, you know, something crazy and out of this world. So they actually had their ri- initial idea was to have this album because um, they were a psychedelic band anyway, and they just always wanted to look for new sounds. And uh, they tried to make an album with uh, household objects so they have this whole song with wine glasses and they're just you know playing it like that and uh that's what it it ends up being the start of shine on your crazy diamond you know at the start you have that it sounds like a synth but it's actually wine glasses oh wow cool. yeah so i found that's out insane that. yeah it's really cool and uh have a cigar alternate version uh which you heard actually this is crazy have a cigar. Do you know that song? I love it. I am aware of it. Yeah. Right. You're gonna go far. Who do you think singing on that? It sounds like Gilmore, but I don't think it is. I think it's 
Or who would that be? Because it doesn't sound like Roger Waters either. Drummer? The drummer, Nick Mason? I can't even believe this story, but I always thought it was Roger Waters because it kind of got that nasally, more nasally voice. It's actually a mate that was record- like they were recording in Abbey Road and then this other artist was recording in another studio like a different room you know like they made me i think they were typically in studio three maybe this guy was in studio four and he he, he'd just walk into the sessions and he he found out that they were struggling uh trying to nail this vocal on uh have a cigar and he goes i can do it and and that's what's on the album how it's a guy that's not even in the band that's on one of their (laughs) legendary tracks It's, it's crazy like i never knew that yeah, and this this, this uh, version on this have a cigar alternate version is um, Roger Waters singing it, so it's it's the um, okay the unreleased track of him singing it before the other guy. I I don't I should know his name, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I know I know what you mean. That's really cool though. It's him. It's Roger Waters singing on that outtake. That's very cool. Yeah, that is but, very cool. That's very cool. The final thing that I have is this Nirvana. Um, yes. Uh, what, what's it actually called? Leave the lights with the lights out. With the lights, with the lights out. out, and it, this was actually uh, gifted by my friend Keen Minahan, and he just he said it. I don't want. I I'm not using this. Uh, he just gave it to me, and um, yeah, it's it's a four. No, it's a three CD box set, and it's got one CD or a DVD, and it's it's actually I don't know. Maybe you've seen it. It's got it's that. Um, live set of them in like a bedroom or something and 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 kirk's up against the wall singing into a microphone and oh yeah like, that's like that early rehearsals yeah, yeah early rehearsal yeah, yeah. Uh, tape it, it was probably the first promotional thing they ever did and it's literally just that in its entirety and that's but it's, it just sounds terrible <laughs> i couldn't even yeah but like, it, it seems like the recording uh because kirk is obviously trying to get some separation hmm. um from the bleed of the, the drums or something, but it's literally just the audio from the camera and it's just terrible sound. That would be uh, rough. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it's, it, you know, it's literally scraping the, the bottom of the barrel of this is it's unreal. So the first, um, disc is like pre bleach and then, uh, outtakes from bleach. And it, it's, it's so cool. There's, um, the, the first track is them playing heartbreaker by, um, Led Zeppelin and it's it's apparently one of their first ever gigs uh, mm. as Nirvana and there's a guy in the crowd going play heartbreaker play Heart, you know amongst all this feedback and uh, you can hear, hear Kurt say um I don't know how to play it plays it anyway <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like um and then there's a key change you know and they they don't do the key change and it's just a shit jam and but um <laughs> you know there's stuff like that in there that they should have left out but it's there you know and it's, it's really cool and there's, oh, there's there's just terrible takes of that that's the the thing that i wonder you know if would we ever have gotten this if kirk was still or kurt sorry was still alive um because you know obviously he can't say no because he's not here to mm. to um say it's okay to put out but um it's the same with john lennon as well like he was very critical of his voice he 
typically would turn his voice down in the mix and then when he'd leave the room that the engineer would push it back up and there's stories like that and he, he'd drown it in um, reverb and now we have like outtakes where he's, his voice is breaking and stuff and like I'd say he'd be raging. <laughs> I, I, com- I completely agree. I mean, especially when you look at major label stuff and it is a product, they're like, how much product can we get? And Nirvana's still, like Nirvana's just like a legacy. They are not up against like the Beatles, but like they are viewed as the Beatles of grunge, they're the Beatles of that generation. And if you can, 90s, yeah. if, you've, if you've only got like Jimi Hendrix, you've only got three albums worth of material. And I mean, this, the box that you have has got things like Sappy, um, yeah, yeah, it's got you know you're right. So it has got things that you've never heard. Before. Yeah, exactly. Um, and everything. Yeah. So it does serve a purpose, but it does make you think. I want to say that there was some sort of legal action between uh, Courtney, Courtney Love, Love mm-hmm. and Dave Grohl on that because they were saying about should the box even go out? What was on it? So it was like even contentious in between there. But I, I think it's to the individual that sounds like a cop-out answer but i would say kurt cobain would put up a fight and say no but when you read into how he was he wanted to be a rock star so some of it was premeditated that he pretended to shun the spotlight but like he really did actually want to do that like he he wanted to go all out um yeah so i would say in that case i think that would have come out but maybe not in the way that would have it might have been stripped down I don't think you would have got the pre-bleach stuff, but no. I feel like you would have maybe got like a really, really concise B-sides, really, really concise live stuff. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. You got Metallica oh, yeah, Black Album Deluxe. Now, yeah. I've only skimmed through the track listing. I think you might have sent that to me and when, yeah, you know, it's how long it is. There's yeah. so many versions of Nothing Else Matters. It's like, yeah. I don't want to hear that. To me, I'll hear that song once. It's in the category of maybe if it comes on the radio, I'll turn it off if I can. Maybe every couple yeah. of months or six months, if it co- I might go, let's listen to a live version. That's how it exists in my world. I do not want to sit there and hear strings only or this, yeah, version, yeah, yeah. or this version or this version, you know? And that's what the Black Album does. Like it's it's all out. But like you, if we compare it to the first thing we looked at, All Things Must Pass, You've got a million different things with it. You've got handwritten lyrics. You've got lanyards. You've got tour passes. And look how much it is. And it's 269 euros affordable. And I would say so much more bang for your buck. Absolutely. Like this is absolutely worth it. Like, yeah. Well, like they give you all the CDs. Like this is where I'm like, why would you want, if you have everything like so they have two lps for the um the album right Me- remake or remastered um then they they give you the the album again on cd mm. but i suppose it's that like they that uh, everyone else seems to have like a vinyl edition and uh sorry a cd box set but this is this is the only box set that that they do so yeah. it's everything at one so that, that's a cool take on it uh the um live at moscow that's such an incredible listen that's if great. you've yeah it's unreal just um it, it's as uh, exciting to listen to as to to watch well mm. obviously you cannot um unsee what happened at that gig like it's, yeah. it's just a sea of people so when you're <laughs> listening you're, you're you see that in your head like it's it's crazy 
Yeah, Wasn't man, it the biggest crowd ever at the time? I think so. I yeah. th- like there's there's people saying that it was over a million. I, there's no way it was over a million. Nah, like, even, not possible. Even they have surely. said that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they've said like uh, maybe just over half a million, maybe. I but, mean, um, with, it's with something like this. Sorry, actually, sorry to cut you out. But something like this, this is really cool. So we all love Metallica. Really brought metal to the forefront. So much to be proud of. Me and Marv used to, in fact, I still do. I still do go back to a year and a half in the life of Metallica when they were recording this originally. And Amazing, yeah. the process, how much it cost, songs on there, absolute staples. It's just, it's one of those mythical albums, isn't it? It's a, it's the Metallica, it's Metallica's white album. It is enormous in every single way, right down to like Lars Ulrich, the drummer, using a particular snare but is enormous, has a really particular sound, and is expensive and rare, like, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that, and the amount of guitar tracks and stuff. This, I would 100% buy, as you guys yeah. have already touched on. The value of it is is there, in my it's crazy, opinion. Yeah. It's, it's worth every penny, because yeah. the amount but- you're getting is absolutely unrequited, if you like. Yeah, like, you get so many live shows in it, um, I don't think I even like from from memory. You get like way more live shows than what was shown there. And you, you, yeah, the coolest thing is the the riff demos. Like it's literally yeah, a, a cassette tape that James his his riff tapes, and it's like the crappiest sounding recording ever. But like it's it's literally the first time it's ever been recorded, and it's it's crazy to see, um, you know from like the way they do it is I think it's the the earliest demos ever. And then there's like the, the, the work in progress. And there's actually one where James is going, he has no lyrics. He's complex. Yeah. Vo- like he's just um, getting the rhythm and the melody from <clears throat> vocals, which is actually something I do in my band. And I never knew anyone else ever did it. Like I thought it was just a thing that I do. Like, um, but it, it was crazy because I don't think um, even the Beatles stuff even captures that early in, in the stages in these box sets. So, uh, yeah. like that's that's a real early uh, in the process. Uh, so that you you know, I think that's the best version of of what we've seen or what we've talked about so far. Like you're literally hearing just a riff. Uh, it's it's so cool to hear Enter Sandman where. It's it's before it has the tail on the end. So it's, the yeah. way Kirk um, for, first wrote it was just or like it's just that over and over again. And it just if they release it like that, it would do nothing. But um, it's just amazing to, to see just such a slight change. Just repeating that can make it so much better, you know. And then there, there's like um, yeah. um, uh, Sad But True. You hear the versions where it's sped up uh, yeah. and not detuned. It's an E. And then yeah. you hear the version where it's slowed down and t- tuned down to drop D or D standard. And it's just so... Like, I think it's the best version of showing the process. And they've done an amazing job on that, this box set. Yeah. yeah. Well, they've done it with them all. Like, they've done... Um, the first five albums so far, they've yeah. all been unreal, unreal. 
exactly for a recent release as well but here's a question yeah. i pose back to you like do you think it's too much do you think you actually need to have some sort of mystique around albums like this like this is a the black album is like mega 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 huge like it still sells ten thousand copies a week it's just never ever going to stop it's a staple but don't you want to kind of keep that mystery that cooper's kind of like superstar fandom for that album is there like, certain I things think... like I, you don't you don't want to give everything away like surely you want to keep you want to retain it's almost like you're taking away the essence of the actual album product itself by breaking it so far down into many pieces that you're yeah, going to listen to it again and be like oh well okay I think it's a very specific um, niche that that would find this interesting. Like uh, I I showed, like I sent that to you on Spotify and obviously you were like, oh, wow, that's really cool. But then I sent it to like the guy that got me into Metallica and he he didn't care because he was just like, what, is it just the the same songs over and over again? I, you know, whatever, like, um, but I think it's, you know, we're in that we're musicians, right? And we love diving into like how this is made how uh you know the way rick beato take tears apart songs and yeah. like i think that appeals to us more than the casual fan so just that thought yeah. as well you know? you, well is this is this album then are these made just for musicians would you say i think it's the hardcore fans yes um, there's definitely a certain type of person who's buying that and it isn't oh metallica yeah i like um i know nothing else matters i know enter sandman yeah, yeah it's not yeah, a I'll casual fan yeah they're not gonna yeah exactly it's hardcore fans it's musicians it's it's people who have this cult following for this album you know like we were saying earlier about how like old films get it how old cars how old everything gets it albums now have a cult following which is really uh cool to um to experience to be a part of i love i don't know about the whole mystique thing simply because of what we what we've just said about it being for a certain type of person for um super fan if you like um i mean something like that i'm probably going to buy that at some point not before yeah. queen but right, i will I, be buying that so this is the all that you can't all you can't leave behind right. Um, super deluxe box set, and uh, it's it's already reduced from two forty to two hundred pounds nice. or two, two euro. Um, so what is this? Eleven LP, right? Just so compare much. that to fucking this. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> you've yeah. got Mozart so, piano sonatas for three grand, seven LP, and then you've got. An eleven LP box set, yeah. one album by you two. That's mad. 10, for ten percent of the price. Of the price. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just thought this was an interesting comparison, but um, you two, the way they do their releases these days, I don't know. Like they're doing a lot of um. Do you, do you have you heard of Record Store Day, where they have yeah. like um exclusive releases, and they do yeah. things like um. 12 inch uh so a bit a basic record but it's only one song a 12 inch single so typically mm -hmm. it'd be on um you know a 7 lp or no a 7 inch record right yeah but uh they're, they're doing it on a 12 inch 
So like it it seems oh wow bang for the buck twelve or eleven LP box set so you get the um that's another thing I hate about uh, modern albums I don't know why they they do it for for sound quality apparently they they so the longer you um a side of vinyl is the, the, the more you have to uh, compress it the actual grooves so yeah. you, on modern releases you've got um three songs per side and they have to flip it over three songs per side three songs per side and then that's the end of the album or is it levitate uh yeah but it gets with the stage where you get to um like look at all these lps and then it um you get to number seven and it's just elevation paul dyke remix i haven't listened to this but if it's just a typical crappy remix like i think it is yeah like would it yeah <laughs> underneath uh one one side this seven elevation on fluff remix so it's so it's like a single then disc seven it's a single you literally got one song each side yeah one song each side the so same it, this song is kind each of side, yeah same song each side yeah exactly so you've I'm got new york Carnegie. yeah i i this is why i wanted to show it because it's just misleading in a way because yeah you think yeah. oh it's there's going to be loads of great stuff on this 11 LP uh, thing, but it's just kind of a ripoff. Yeah. Well, it's just a waste. That, to my mind, in contrast to the Metallica one, that is let's spread it out as far as possible yeah. just to get as much out of it. So when we say it's 11 LP, people go, oh, 11 yeah. LP. So much more content. But in reality, there is more content than the original album. But I don't really see the application of that would annoy me if I bought a box set. Yeah, and you found out it was all that crap. Yeah, Yeah. that would annoy me to no end. I would be very frustrated at that. Um, Having said that, I'm probably definitely going to buy that uh, that one you showed us, the Queen one. So um, the Queen one, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, definitely worth. That's worth it in my mind. And when I when I do buy it, listeners, I shall be doing a special special unboxing um edition of this of this show but i'm gonna have to plan a day where i buy it and then film it immediately because there's no way in hell it's gonna turn out (laughs) i'm gonna go oh i'll leave that for a few hours well this is kind of a jokey question but uh if you're ever going to release a physical version of um the 50 ways podcast team how would you release it in the 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 most elaborate way possible or just (laughs) so the theme Get it once the one step treatment hundred yeah. how do we make grand so the theme is uh, a tune i wrote called doorways um and it's quite funny when i think about it it's probably the most amount of work i've put into a song to date um the amount of different tracks on it and stuff it's um i don't know is it worthy of that level of ridiculousness i suppose what we could do is include um a full track yeah. rather than just the chords you hear and then we could have uh, a special 50 ways 180 gram vinyl where my <laughs> face is on one side your face is on picture the other disc yeah 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 picture disc and we could have it so it's 44 rpm get it in so the it's shop, slightly man. better quality and then we could also sign the copies and add a hundred pounds extra for each signature so if you just want to sign mez copy that's if it's already going to be five hundred pounds, it's six hundred for the mess copy. 
600 for the Marv signed copy, and it's 800 if you want both sides signed. And we'll include separate little pictures and stuff, and we'll glue in ourselves with Britstick little writings that we've signed. And on top of that, I think we should even include some little Kinder egg toys that I've got somewhere that I use as amp mascots. And then we and can put, our yeah. one, our one up here, right? Here we go. All of that, but you have to go to the Tate Museum in a special room that we've rented out for a whole year. So we're like so down in debt here, and it's just playing off of a little iPhone speaker through the vinyl. Yeah. We've hooked up for like a really bad like RCA cable, and it's coming out of an iPhone speaker. That's and on the top only of that, place you can hear it. On top of that, for a grand extra, we'll give you an NFT of both of us going. <laughs> Like that. <laughs> in time with the Bez is with the jigging, track. jigging about in his seat. Jigging about. Um, yeah, I, that's I think how I if, do it. Only yeah. ever that, all right? So, <clears> I'd like for to do 100 pounds. 100 pounds. Damn, mate. The overheads that would That's cost. so much money to rent the Tate out for a year. My God. No, 100. <laughs> maybe. No, I mean, like, release it for 100 pounds. Uh, maybe not 100. Uh, maybe maybe 10,000. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have uh how long is it? About four minutes long? Something like that. Four and a half. I'd release minutes. I'd release um four hundred vinyls and have a second on each side. So it's like uh, the best quality ever. Dun, yeah. dun, <laughs> dun. Yes, uh box sets, <sighs> I think they're great. They're there are great. obviously some ones that are cash grabs, but I think overall, even if they're ones that don't bring anything new to the table. They're pushing them into a new audience. So instead of uh, young kids, yeah. young kids today listening to watered down versions of these bands and artists that were like, look, these are great artists, but why are you listening to these? They're ripping off that. They can go and listen to that. They can go, oh, this is really, really good. Oh, I've got some fidget toy to play with, or yeah. I'm happy box sets are here. 2022 listen to it an iPhone. 2022 is the year. So many more. So much so more. Oh, we want to thank you for your wisdom, your audiophilic knowledge. Yeah, thank you, ma'am. You know what I'm saying? You got some, <laughs> you got such a good vinyl collection, and Mike, it's great to see. Great to see. Oh, thanks. It's so much. very cool, mate. It's very cool to have you on the show. Um, and as I said at the beginning, it's nice to have different perspective because we've been doing this for a little while now and we both know each other's opinions and that's grand um but it's nice to just have like that little buffer of yeah. oh she anything you want to plug right now i hear there's a new year yeah, go ahead. coming out oh uh, yeah we've got a new um it's called hard line it's the first song that we've released in oh, i don't know two years or something i've been really working hard on it and um yeah it's kind of a, like more rockier more rockier sound we're going for 28th of this month Spotify audiophile edition coming out. No, <laughs> nice. Mez, you're always good at playing us out, saying something funny, saying something witty. I tell you what, you grab a cereal box right now and you start reading the ingredients and I'll fade in the music. I've grabbed the pink stuff spray. This has taken us out of the episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm probably going to chop it into two parts so everyone can get a nice triangle hold on it. Mez, let's go. The pink stuff. Miracle laundry, oxy stain remover. Our laundry laundry pre-treat stain remover. Spray for use with whites and colors. Has been formulated for amazing stain removal with a fresh, clean fragrance. It's for color fast garments and fabrics only. Spray on both sides of the stain. Leave no longer than five minutes 
then hand or machine wash as normal, following fabric label care instructions, and always wash colours separately. Check for colour fastness before use, and if in doubt, try on an inconspicuous area. Do not use on delicate fabrics, wool, silk, leather, upholstery, or dry clean only garments. Do not spray product directly on metal fasteners, flame resistant. <laughs> Do not expose pre treated or soaked fabrics to direct sunlight prior to washing. What's the PO box? Well out by now. What's the PO box? Where's the fan club? 